The following podcast is brought to you by the BICBP Radio Network. discussion your home for comic book talk every week right here on the bicbp radio network my name is matt johnson one of your hosts alongside as always Ooh, i'm ghoul nolton Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> greg nolton no no you're ghoul no no that's sticking ghoul forever nolton, all of spooktober all spooktober no that's you're gonna be ghost you're gonna be ghoul nolton Ghost of Christmas Past, too. I'll tell you that <laughs> oh, much. Oh, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, welcome, everybody. Uh, Spooktober continues here. This is our what, this is our third week of, of this month. And, already, yeah. Oh, man. Two more weeks after this one? I know. We got, we've got we been having some solid episodes, though. We had a great guest. Micah was on last week of the Terror Trio. We had a great discussion with him just talking about horror comic books in general. Um uh, amongst a host of other things, we definitely went off the rails, but it was a fun off the rails. Oh, yeah. uh, we did the Joker uh, the very first week. This week, uh, Greg had a great idea. We're going to do as classic... I always do. Yeah, you do have pretty good ideas. <laughs> You've been pretty much yeah lining up this whole month, man, and I have not been disappointed at all. Uh, this today's episode is going to be classic. Those classic monsters. Uh, yeah. Your Draculas, your Frankenstein's, uh, you know, and and various other, you know, various other characters and creatures are going to be showing up um, that really, really, you know, identify with the month of Spooktober. Uh, before that, we got some news to discuss. There were some cool things going on in the world of comic book culture. Uh, and Greg, I'll let you uh, take this. First, it's um, we've got. Ooh, I'm a little too far from my microphone. There you we sound go. good. You sound good. Okay, uh, we've got. I'll I'll start with the news that's more speculation um, from a pretty reliable online source. We heard that um, the Titans may be included in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Even it, it might just be like a quick flash, like they they breach into their universe and they see them and then breach out. But there's a possibility that we might get a quick view of the Titans included um, in that gi- already giant crossover with man, like the the recent cast announcement for it is insane. Um, so that could be really cool. I'm actually going to see if I can pull the cast up real quick. It's very impressive so far. I think the Titans are a necessary ad. Uh, I really do. They're on the frontier of something big for DC television. And I think it's very, very important that they are included. Yeah. I I think it's cool. Just, I think it's awesome just because like it shows some continuity and like solidarity behind this like universe, this TV universe they have going on. Um, And so I think that's pretty awesome. But let's see what we got here. We've got um, the ones I have in front of me is Brandon Ralph, um, repeating the role of Super uh, Superman. We've got Black Lightning finally crossing over. Um, Kevin Conroy, who famously voiced Batman for the animated series for Batman Beyond, is going to be included in some way. Um, we've got uh, 
Burt Ward is going to be in it. They showed, I saw like an image of him in kind of like an old school, um, a sweater that matched the old school ride outfit, walking a dog. Jeez, uh, it's not loading quick enough. See if I can the monitor. One of the character. Um, oh my gosh, I just forgot his name. Pariah will be included though, and um, he's going to be played by who's been on the Flash is like every a million and six characters. Um, a couple of the Smallville actors are going to be returning. We've got actors from the original Superman TV shows are going to be back. So we're going to have a ton of characters. Um, I can't find the full list without making my computer explode. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we've talked about like Endgame being the most what's the word like a ambitious crossover of all time. Yeah. But I think you can say like crisis is the most ambitious TV crossover of all time. We've never seen anything of this magnitude on just regular television. I think it's five episodes long. Um, It's going to be really cool. I'm really excited to see how it plays out with all these characters. Yeah. You know, it it, honestly, depending on your perspective, it, it could be, it could be considered the biggest crossover. Of all time. I mean, a lot of people grew up with DC television. Marvel was not ever really known for their live action stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, DC was. A lot of people grew up with DC, you know, DC television, uh, going all the way back to Adam West Batman, uh, you know, and all the way through now. So, I mean, this is a lot of history. This is going to cross over a lot of, a lot of, I think, generations of people. Generation yeah. of comic book fans, maybe, maybe people that weaned off after the Adam West Batman era, yeah. Uh, maybe people that you know didn't get, or you know, just different eras of of DC comic television, uh, and I think it's a really good thing. This is, uh, I'm glad they're going to go through with it. I, I really am. I'm excited. Uh, you know, I, I don't know a whole lot of backstory as to why this is happening personally. Uh, I'm really not good with the television stuff, but I'm actually going to make. I'm going to make a, a an effort. To, yeah. to watch this and see how it unfolds. It's really, really cool. Uh, Lucifer, which was on Netflix and CW, is also a DC comic. He's going to be included. That was one of the other big ones I thought was pretty cool. Um, and then the, there's one other thing. Oh, uh, um, Michael Keaton's bat, Bruce Wayne is seen on a newspaper clipping in one of the, the episodes. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, it was Bruce Wayne marrying Selena Kyle, and I thought that was like a really cool um, way to include him without having to being able to actually get him on the show. So I I really liked that. Yeah, that was I did see that that blew up all over the internet. That was a great. That's a great little tidbit. Uh, just to have that, it's yeah. Everybody, everybody, like you know, think Keaton Batman is one of the best ones. It, it very well could be, uh, depending on who you talk to. But oh yeah, you get you got to reference that. That's that's a big connection there. I agree. And then the other news, um, this Matt Reeves Batman is really shaping up. We now have a Catwoman by Zoe Kravitz, which I actually think is a really cool casting. Um, I think she's going to bring that attitude and like gritty toughness to Catwoman that she's supposed to have. So I'm excited to see how that goes. Um, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see their, what Catwoman outfit they pick. Um, if they go a little more like the Tim Burton style um, 
or stick to more of like a realistic style the way we got with um, Chris Nolan's Batman. But I, I don't, I kind of want a new take. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of the goggles Catwoman from the most recent comic books um, and like Arkham and stuff. I'm a, I'm a really big fan of like that, that outfit. I think it just makes her look more like a, like a burglar and kind of different differentiates her from like black cat and stuff like that. Um, but I'd be curious. I'm just curious to see what their take is with her. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, that just came out uh, today, Monday, October 14th. I know this episode is going to be out tomorrow. Not sure when the listener is going to be listening to it, but uh, yeah, this is an interesting take to go right for Catwoman right out of the gate too. Yeah. Uh, with, you know, with Robert Pattinson's new Batman, um, you know, the, obviously we all know the Christian Bale trilogy waited till the third movie to uh, really introduce any side hero characters outside of Jim Gordon. So, uh, so yeah, they're going right for it. Uh, I think it's great. You know, that Pattinson's going to get an alternate character. Uh, Catwoman's a very popular character, as it has been played by a lot of uh, great actresses. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, been a, just a prevalent part of Batman's history and lore. Uh, so I'm, 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 I'm excited to see. I just hope that this doesn't mean that, um, you know, maybe Robin is going to be on the outs again. Like, we're not going to get a, a live-action movie Robin because Catwoman's going to be his alternate sl- – I'm not going to say sidekick, but um, partner, essentially. I'm hoping to see her in more of, like, a villain role to start. Um, yeah. And then may- – because I think they're talking about already, like, the typical, like, let's make this a trilogy. So I think having her in, like, more of a – a, a criminal role and then down the road and like another movie, like doing something small in this where she drops something like for Batman, like a piece of evidence towards the end or something like just a, a little bit of help to t- set that possible team up down the road, but keep that tension that is there always in the comic books. Um, I think would be better where she works with him, but still kind of steals and get what she wants. And I would yeah. like him to keep it that way rather than like a full, like, she's just a good guy. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's, I, I agree. You got to have that kind of, that arc, uh, essentially it's, it's, it's just, yeah, it's vital to her character or personality. Yeah. Um, so great. Uh, anything else going on? Mm-hmm. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure there's news I'm missing. Um, I haven't. Oh, Ooh, yeah, there was something I wanted to share. What was it? Oh, so last week or two weeks ago, there was that Year of the Villain Joker comic book was released. And I think it's something worth checking out. Um, I started to read it. I haven't really finished it yet. It's a longer book. Um, and I wasn't crazy about the art. I will say that off the top. So it's going to take me like really sitting down to be in focus on it because the the writers are incredible. It is um, the writer from Borderlands 2, the game, which is one of my favorite series, and John Carpenter, which that, like, if you know John Carpenter, his name is synonymous with horror. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really interesting person to have working on this Joker book. So that's something worth checking out. And we will be getting a new Marvel story on October 30th, I believe. A Marvel zombie story, my bad. Um, on October 30th, just a one-shot, but they are revisiting that world again. 
So I think that's pretty cool. And that's something we're, we're trying to stick strong with is some of this, um, this comic book news, really bringing you the, the paperback stuff. And those are definitely books I'm excited for, for October. Um, and we've got, Ooh, I've got to remember the day. Local <laughs> comic book shop day is coming up in November. And you can expect, I'm going to, I want to do something special for this. Um, we're definitely going to be picking up some books, doing something cool. And it, I would participate. There's a whole list of participating stores. Um, it's November 23rd. Okay. So, yep, it's a big day for me. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. Um, I will be finding a way to a comic book shop that morning. I don't care. But uh, local comic book shop day.com you can find all the details all the comic books that are going to be involved or all the comic book stores that are going to be involved in it um and everything actually should be on here by to by the time this this launches um and there's gonna there's always special books for this special covers um all sorts of different stuff you can find on comic book shop day a lot of the shops will um be doing some special things oh they are releasing their walking dead fan um Walking Dead the Alien will be officially released for the first time on in uh on like in paperback. It was released online a few years back and it uh follows Rick's brother actually, which is kind of cool. Um and it's I think it's mostly based in France and it is a, a Kirkman story okay. um, working with NK Vaughn. So it's just a, a quick one shot but this is going to be the first time it's being printed so that's being released just for comic book day um and there's a whole bunch of other stuff like special books that are being just released for this marvel's releasing a whole bunch of books um new mutants number one only a thousand copies um a absolute carnage number five and they're releasing only 500 of that oh so yeah and then a print to order special version of it but there's a lot of like special orders being released for this. So, so it's definitely worth checking out. There's a whole bunch of deceased issue being released, a Legion of superheroes issue being released all over the place. Uh, and that is, we'll, we'll continue to drop news for that. That's November 23rd. So you've got weeks, but I would definitely, definitely try to hit up a shop and find something cool because there's, there's going to be things going on and comic book shops need it. So yeah, yeah that's you, the end of that news. <laughs> Yeah, you ain't kidding. All right. Um, very good. Yeah, lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Let us get into I'm our did today. Oh, I, I bet. Too much. <laughs> <laughs> get the meat sweats. Uh <laughs> let's yeah, let's get into our comic book reading as we all, you know, as we typically do. Uh Greg, would you want to start us off today? I can kick us off, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, bud. So I am reading um this is in Art Adams Creature Features from Dark Horse Comics. I don't know if they ever released it singularly, but I'm reading the first story from that. And this is classic um, monster. I think someone a lot of people don't think about as like a classic monster sometimes because he's been revisited the least since like the 70s. And that would be Creature from the Black Lagoon. So I'm going to be reading a story from that. Um, this is from... I believe it was 2008, but I could be 100% wrong. But I'm going to jump into it. I can hear Shark Tank all the way from here, just barely. This is crazy. 
It's only through the mic. That's the crazy thing. If I take my headphones off, I can't hear it. Can't hear it at all. I, the mic is so strong that it's picking up Shark Tank from my living room with the door closed. That's pretty awesome. Yeti mics are no joke. Cheap plug. Sponsor us. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> all right. So we get a little uh, – we hop in, and there's like a little prologue talking about creation and the things that were created – deep below at the bottom of the sea um, and it cuts over to the Amazon in 1954 and this group of people found a claw preserved in like a rock and it is just this like gilled hand with giant claws on it and as they're studying it and like cutting the arm out so they can ship it um, you just there's this really awesome shot and all you see is like the back of a head and another set of claws like peeking out of the water, um, looking at these five people in the Amazon. And it cuts over and there's a like another version, another one of these hands and these people are like these scientists and like uh, business people are all talking about this, this claw and like that they've, they've made like this huge discovery that, um, like someday like spaceships will be traveling from earth to other planets, but we found this here on our earth and like all these different things about how they can study this and make themselves money and, and advance humankind. And on the same night, it cuts back to the Amazon um, where we saw these people and it's really, it's really great. I actually really like how they do this because it feels like a classic movie. Um, Cause all you see is, the monster's like legs and claw and then it his claw reaches forward and grabs someone's face and then it cuts back to the tent you just see like the person's legs hoisted in the air like like fighting and you don't see the monster at all uh and then it cuts back to now these scientists are going to the amazon themselves to um find this claw that these other people discovered and they're just talking back and forth on the boat and um, they come across the camp, and there is nothing but dead bodies there. And, of course, like in classic horror movie fashion, there's like a woman that's with them that's dressed in like short shorts and supposed to be the pretty one. And she stands a little too close to the water. And the monster is slowly looking at her. And when they run back, he suddenly disappears. But his eyes are – he's found his target. Um, and they, they go to a new place to dig and there's a like love story with that girl and, uh, the main like jerk scientist that you want to see die. Cause you know, that's how we do this. Uh, and back and forth, eventually they end up diving to the bottom of the water to see what they can find. And it, you just get another shot. I just, they do it so well. Um, it's just a panel and you just see the monster kind of sitting in the seaweed, but he doesn't move. He doesn't go after anybody. And then the girl dives in and it's the first shot of his face. And it's ridiculous. She's like doing a backflip and he's just got this, like these like baby blue eyes and a big smile on his face. So weird. Like that'd be the first time you really show his face. <laughs> uh, and he grabs, his, she, he grabs her foot and pulls her under the water. Um, and but she ends up swimming away and she's screaming for help and it's chasing her. And like they they end up getting her in the boat and drop a net onto the monster, but he just cuts the net loose and he swims away. So they dive in after him and end up shooting him with a harpoon. 
um, and testing his blood to figure out what he is. It's a longer book, too. Um, and he ends up coming after them on the boat, and they still do it. Now they've showed him, but they do it in this classic fashion where a guy's just kind of like messing with the sails, and you see the feet, and all of a sudden a claw and some screams, and it it cuts right back. Like, And I, I really dig that. <laughs> his face is the only thing that drives me nuts because he always looks like he's like, contemplating life or just saw a burger that looks delicious but like and not very menacing whenever they show his mouth but otherwise like he's really creepy like they over and over again they use these classic framing shots where he's just in the corner in the shadows and you see everybody else like in front of him um and he jumps out to take them out it goes on and on until he steals the girl and they end up like ends up getting hit with like a light or something that ends up dropping him. Um, and they beat him. Oh no. And put him in a cage and he escapes the cage <laughs> and then back and forth. And they ultimately like get into a fight, end up shooting him again, getting in a huge fight where he, they think he's bottom of the water yeah, there's like six fights in this. Um, so the action's going to be a 10? Is that what I'm getting from it? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> every time like they think they get him, they get him back. And then he captures the, the girl and he's going to like marry her. And ends up getting like taken down. And a group of soldiers show up and like shoot the monster to death. And he just crawls into the water and dies. And that's what it like. It's really a really great shot, actually. He like is like walking into the water, just dripping with blood as they all stand there watching him, and it just says the end, and you just see him like floating in the blackness. Um, it's fun. It's a good time. So it's a long book, but it was a really good. I liked it. I had it felt very classic, like horror, like nineteen, like the time it was from, like a nineteen fifties horror movie. Like I could see this. It almost looked shot for shot. Um, like something they would have done just with color. Okay. So I'm going to start. Um, action, art, story. Action is an easy 10. <laughs> There's so much. It's action. actually like pretty good. Like the guy losing his harpoon and he grabs his knife and like tries to fight him off and back and forth and back and forth. Um, and this, oh, it's art normally first. Oops. That's okay. Oh, <laughs> um. But the suspense, too. Like, there was a lot of that. They, like I said, they kept doing those really good, like, old-school classic monster movie shots where he's just in the corner, like, lurking, waiting to strike, and then they'll show him striking. And I, I thought that was good. Um, art is pretty standard. It's nothing special. I'm going to give the art a five. Like, okay. sometimes I think the art was a little goofy. Um, I, I like the paneling. I like the horror movie, like... Um, additions and i know that is part of the art but other than that like the actual art style itself and the coloring was like kind of basic um so yeah story wise i think they did a really good job um keeping true to what this was supposed to be i think there was like way too many hot comebacks and like 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 false hopes but you know whatever wrestling terms um (laughs) i'm gonna still give it a seven (laughs) Seven, okay. The dialogue was just okay. I'm going to give the dialogue a five. All right. It was just okay. Just <laughs> it really was. The best part of it was the sound effects. 
Um, and then rereadability. It was a decent book. It, it's probably it's not my favorite like book we've read for this series. It was solid for what it was. Like I said, I really like some of the homages. It, it, there was someone who like liked this kind of movie, or if we were storyboarding like a short film, this would actually be something I would look at. So I'm going to give the rereadability a six. I think that's right. a fair score. All right, so thirty three out of fifty for uh, your first book. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. The Black Lagoon. Not bad. Not bad at all. I'll take it. <laughs> all right. I'm going to get into my first book. Uh, my first one, I went the Frankenstein route for this one. Uh, it's issue number one from 1973, The Monster of Frankenstein. Uh, this was actually a – let me see really quick how many. There was – I think there was like a 14-book series. 18. 18, wow. excuse me. Um, so it was a nice little, nice little mini run, but I think like the seventies were like prime time for horror character, uh, comic books, but it starts off, uh, the story is takes place January, 1898. And they are, uh, there's a couple people, uh, one of them, Roberts Walton, the fourth, uh, he's leading a band of renegades, uh, up a, he says the Arctic tundra, um, some 100 years before uh, something. Uh, <laughs> but they're, yeah, they're up there and they see, they find Frankenstein's monster encapsulated in ice in this Arctic tundra. And they, you know, they see it. They're, you know, they're they're trying to get it out. And a couple people are like, no, you're not, you're not get, taking that thing out of here. There's no way. We've heard of the stories. Uh, you know, we, we, we know what, we know what, you know, that thing did. And a big fight breaks out essentially between the renegades and somebody gets shot. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. And, and uh, he essentially tells the, the, the group of renegades that he hired that they needn't do anything else except for what he said. So they drag the, the frozen body uh, of Frankenstein's monster onto their ship and they set sail back to wherever they came from. Um, they just, they're, they're, one of the, the younger crew members, he, he asked what the monster did and it gives pretty much an origin story. The, the same origin story that everybody pretty much knows that, you know, comes from, uh, Frankenstein, how he was created. Um, and they actually kind of have him as like a, a bit of an anti-hero. Like he can talk very fluent. He makes growling noises, but he's, you know, he wants to kill Dr. Frankenstein for his, uh, quote unquote, crimes against nature. And uh, right before, before uh, he doesn't get too, he gets far enough in the story where there's a big fight between the two and uh, Dr. Frankenstein tries to burn him alive. And uh, Frankenstein's monster actually gets his hands on him, but that's the end of the story. Uh, the flashback part because the ship that they're they're uh, they're swimming they're, they're on is, is rocking and it's getting a little rough and the waters are you know flowing over onto the ship and there's about to be a mutiny uh, because of w- what they have on board and uh, as all this fighting is going on and the ship being de- just destroyed by various winds uh, and the waves. Frankenstein's monster starts to defrost. Uh, he's being kept warm for some reason. He's being kept warm in the captain's room, and uh, he starts to move his hand. So hmm. uh, 
a little like a little precursor like the I mean this is a pretty cool setup. This is a Marvel book too. Uh but that's oh, really? where that's where it ends uh essentially just kind of yeah they unleash this monster that's been frozen in time for for you know 100 years or so. But um but yeah, I mean what a it was a pretty cool book. Re, like reviving uh, Frankenstein, and like I said, the seventies, like that's popular. When I think classic monsters, that's kind of the era that I'm thinking in. Uh, you know, Dracula and, and all that. Just it just mm-hmm. feels very seventies for me. Um, so I'm going to get to the review portion. Artwork, uh, artwork was it was the seventies. Nothing significant. Uh, that classic manner. There was some some pretty decent detailing to it, uh, you know, but nothing nothing over the top, nothing special. I'm gonna give the artwork a. I'm gonna give it a seven. Action, plenty of action, plenty of suspense. Uh, you know, a lot of action in the flashback sequence with Frankenstein, Doctor Frankenstein, and, and it, you know Frankenstein's monster kind of clashing quite a bit. Uh, you know, a little bit more than I remember reading about or seeing in any movie, uh, which is kind of a neat alternate take to it. Um, so the action is going to be a little bit higher. I'm going to give the, I'm going to give the action a, I'm going to give it an eight and it wasn't anything over the top. Great, but it was, it was, it was pretty good. Uh, from what I seen story, great story and a great cliffhanger too. Uh, I mean, that's a good way to, to really hook, hook and sink hook and, Bait and hook, that is the term. Bait and hook. Uh you know, people into continuing to read it, you know, him having him unfrozen, had plenty of panels with him to give enough Frankenstein's monster action throughout the story. But at the same time it sets up something. I mean, these people are about to be, you know, at fight they're fighting and they're about to be alone on the ship with an unfrozen Frankenstein's monster that hasn't been that has been frozen for, for over a hundred years. So the story story was really good. I'm going to give the story an eight. Dialogue. Uh, very dialogue-driven as well. There was actually a pretty good balance, but uh, with the, you know, the backstory of Frankenstein's monster, they did a, uh, yeah, they did a pretty good job uh, of doing that. It was, it was very, very dialogue-driven. Simple, uh, not over the top. I'm going to give the dialogue a, I'm going to give it an eight. And rereadability, when I pick this book up again, uh, uh, it's it's a tough call. I'm not saying it's a bad book at all, uh, but I know what my tastes are. I, I think I'd have to give it like a six on the re readability factor. Uh, you know, it's a cool book. Definitely a one of those. You know, you should at least give it a shot once, and, and definitely if you know if it's up your alley, give the rest of the series a look. But um, but yeah, I'm gonna give it a six. Thirty seven out of fifty for uh, this title right here. All right. Greg, you are up. Oh, man. Okay, so I actually broke my own rule a little bit. And, like, I went classic, but I couldn't find, like, a good classic story. Um, but I did. I don't know. It's hard to hard – to, I went – I was – I wanted a good Wolfman story, but I honestly didn't want Werewolf by Night, like – or Wolfman by Night. Oh, no, Werewolf by Night. I was right. Um, I couldn't find like a good standard Wolfman story, but we we've covered a lot of Marvel and DC. Um, 
And so I found a really cool werewolf Hellboy story. And oh. that's what I'm going to cover. <laughs> and I, it's might be my favorite Hellboy book to date um, that I've read. So I'm covering, um, it's basically for this story, it's a, it's a Dark Horse Presents Hellboy Wolves of St. August. Um, and I, it was like a small novelette. And it's like four quick issues. And I, I really, I'm going to hop right into it because it's, it's fun. Um, it starts with a priest at a church and it's, his name's Father Kelly. And he's actually, um, right away, they show you like a picture of him and Hellboy from 1961. And now it's an older Father Kelly. So you know that he's a, an acquaintance of his. Um, excuse me. And there's this family talking about, um, just like the history of this town and that the, this priest, this stranger priest went up to the old chapel and no one should go up there. And the new priest is coming upon us like a judgment. Um, and then this priest is just sitting there. Then this it's introduced his father, Kelly, and he's just looking at this like statue um, of Jesus, like covered in, in like a tree is grown over top of it. And like the chapel is destroyed and a man shows up and says, like, how could people let this happen in the house of God? It's such a shame, um, even though the nature is giving it a beauty. And they're, they're kind of going back and forth. Um, and he tells him, like, go away. God's not here. He's done with this place. And the priest is, like, kind of fighting with him. Like, why do you say this? And he, he tells him of the family that lived here before, um, the Grenier family, but no one really knows of them. And he says, they were murdered. They were like chopped up into bits after being spitted on iron pikes. So their deaths would be slow. And then he goes, look, here's the bones of like late, the lady, um, lady Grenier. And he opens it and it's a, a skeleton of like a human, but with a wolf head. And as the doctor said, Lord have mercy. Um, the other man says not much. And you just see the face of a wolf, like, charge forward covered in blood and it's really cool <laughs> and it immediately cuts to the next day and hellboy is walking with this girl uh katie and they're talking about 167 men women and children were killed and all in one night on this like and that's why they're there and you just have this like quick shot that i didn't catch the first time like of the it's like a zoom in of a broken window and there's just two orange eyes staring at them and they're going back and forth like this is the worst Hellboy's even saying, like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen like this. Um, and they couldn't figure out why, and they're doing research on this town. And the there's not much they can find about this town besides Chateau Grenier. Um, and they end up really looking into it and saying that, like, um, he knew something that someone must not have or, or something. And the girl sees a statue of St. August and remembers a story um of these people that were punished and um turned into wolves every seven years um because i think they have like a, a statue of the antichrist um is what he thought but it was actually just like a a god of fertility um and he cursed everyone that was there and every seven years they were cursed to turn into wolves and hunt by fang and food, but remember what they did. And then, but they got caught by the villagers and that's why they think the, um, 
the chapel was destroyed was it was a reminder of that and that like they actually released a pamphlet about this but didn't include anything in the city because they didn't want like the people to like they didn't want anyone to know about this like city's dark past um and they go on and all of a sudden there's a crack in the ground and katie falls through and she looks up and there's just like this woman with blue eyes and like long raven hair and a flower crown and she's she's sitting there saying like i can't sleep i can't go to heaven god hates me and she's like nobody hates you and all of a sudden she goes he made me this and she turns into a wolf but disappears and hellboy charges for it and you get the idea it's a ghost um and, they, and they're seeing like like a this ghost of a wolf like chasing them and they're charging through and being so now they're being surrounded by these like images of wolves and they actually see father kelly and he says help me and just his skin like peels away and he turns into a skeleton as he yells please and falls to the ground um and the man we saw earlier who kills father kelly shows up reveals who he is that he's william grenier um and that he's like been alive for a long time and now he's gonna take the town back because he is the beast and it's so cool he like takes his fingers and actually like splits his skin and pulls it back and as he pulls it back he transforms into the wolf and like peels his human flesh away which was one of the coolest ways i've ever seen a werewolf transform that sounds Um, cool man you gotta send me a picture of that like visually that sounds really really sweet it's it's really cool like um and he just gets back and forth of a fight of hellboy and one of my favorite things is when hellboy punches people he always yells boom he doesn't it's not like a thing it's a sound bubble (laughs) (laughs) and uh the guy yells like grenier no more only beast and they're just like fighting back and forth um and like you see the the people talking again and you actually realize the women in the beginning were these werewolves, which is super cool. The ghosts of these werewolves. Um, and it just goes back and forth into a cool fight. And I'm actually not going to finish the last issue because it's real fun to read, but it's a lot of action too. Um, so I'm going to leave that this last issue for people to really hop into. But um, yeah, this was awesome. I'm glad I went this way with this book. And I think it was a cool take on the werewolf story and looking into it, um, this is actually like a real piece of, not real, but like a real piece of lore that existed that they read up. Like there was this um, thought that St. Patrick and St. August had like cursed these people in Ireland and forced, turned them into werewolves because they refused to follow like the Christian or the Catholic faith. And so that's where this story came from. Um, so it's based on like a real myth. And I thought that was pretty cool that it got tied in. So I'm going to hop in. Um, Art on this book, it's typical um, Mike Magnolia, but I really just dug some of the imagery he used. It was different than some of the other books I read. And I I don't know why. I think I I liked it more than some of his other artwork. Um, So I'm actually going to give it an eight on this. Okay. Action is an easy 10. There's so much in four issues. Um, They do a really good job at balancing the suspense, the action, and the dialogue. Uh, And I really, really liked it. 
for that. That is also a 10. This is a really unique story. Um, even if it's based off something real, they did a really good job at making it their own and like driving it with the ghosts and the different, the different things they use, the different tools. Um, so I really liked this story because I've never read anything like this. And I thought it was a really good take on werewolves. Um. Dialogue was solid. I think that's always one of Hellboy's strong suits is his dialogue. Um, it does a really good job at driving the story and being entertaining without being too much to like read. Like there's a lot, there's always a lot of dialogue. Man, I feel like I'm just chunking through these blocks of text. Um, so I'm going to give it an eight on the dialogue. All right. And then rereadability. Yeah, this is definitely in my Halloween bank. Um, this is the rereadability is a nine for that. I really, really enjoyed this. I think this is a cool book to get people into like the Hellboy lore. Um, Cause it's, it's fun. This would be one I think would be like cool to see them do like a mini like animated series on or something. I think they could drag it out across more than what the four issues did and really tell a longer story with it. All right. Very good. 45 out of 50 uh, for yeah. that, sto- that story arc. That's, Sounds like a good one. Yeah, definitely send me that visual uh, when you get a chance. Um, all right, we'll get on to my last one. This was another fun one that I that I did, and it was a lot better than I really thought it was. Uh, it's called The Tomb of Dracula, number one, from April of 1972. And uh, it starts off, it's got a really cool visual of Dracula's castle. And uh, a gentleman by the name of Frank Drake who uh, his actual last name, he changed it to to avoid association. Um, it's actually Frank Dracula, but he shortened it to Drake. Um, he has a, he has a, one of his friends with him, uh, Clifton. He was uh, kind of like a servant. He's, he's really, he takes a lot of abuse. Honestly, this, as I'm, as I read through this book that Frank Drake is kind of a douche. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but he also has his fiance with him. Um, and I haven't seen, forgot her name, but um, it's, it's listed. Um, when I get to it, I'll get to it. Uh, but it shows the uh, characters are, or some other characters, some locals in Transylvania are in a bar. They're discussing that, uh, Essentially, you know what, what's what's going on. How this this Frankie Drake uh, is coming in. He found out that he is a direct descendant of the original Dracula, and therefore has a uh, he he owns by lineage uh, Dracula's castle, and he wants to turn it into a a touristy place. He wants to make money uh, off of it, sell admission, dollar up, that sort of thing. Uh, so they're traveling. They get dropped off there by a gentleman uh, in a stagecoach because their car broke down, and they and they enter, and you know, bats fly by. Uh, everything's very dark and gloomy, uh, as expected. But it still has a lot of medieval armor around there. It's it's still there in the classical sense. Um, but anyways, Clifton, the oh, testing. Can you hear okay. me? Yep. Oh, okay. Um, 
Sorry, my thing wasn't moving. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Clifton is walking, and uh, he walks ahead, and he falls. And it's a hidden cellar, and he walks down a flight of stairs. He lights a little torch, and he sees it. He sees the, uh, the casket or the coffin uh, holding the original Dracula's corpse. And it actually, it's a skeleton. And there's a stake driven through his heart, and he doesn't take it very seriously, you know. Oh, the poor, the poor people. You can, you know, actually convinced uh, you're actually Dracula. So what he does is he pulls the stake out and starts to walk away. And as soon as he pulls the stake out, Dracula is grows his skin back. He come, he basically comes to life, uh, and then he follows Clifton out and. Uh, Clifton tries to take a shot with his uh, with his revolver. It doesn't work, and uh, Dracula slashes him and throws him into his coffin. It looks like some kind of void. I'm not sure exactly. It doesn't really describe it, but it looks like he throws him down a hole or some kind of. I don't. I really don't know. But um, but he's sitting there. Uh, Dracula now, after what he just did, he hears that there's other people walking around. Uh, and then the fiance, Jeannie, is actually her uh, is her name. She see, she notices the hole that Clifton probably fell down, and they see a bat, and then Dracula shows up. And Dracula tries to hypnotize her, uh, but Frankie hits his fiance. He, like, punches her in the face to get her to, like, it's really, really vicious. Um to get her out of this, uh, you know, this trance that she's in. And he flashes a mirror. It's a, it's a, uh, it kind of reflects a bunch of light, and it, it drives Dracula away. Uh, Dracula eventually goes into the town and attacks one of the barmaid, the the barmaids that were discussing Frankie's arrival earlier in the story. And now everybody's in pure panic mode. They're like, "Oh God, Dracula's back! He's at it again! Uh, he just left her out in the middle of the street." And so everybody is grabbing their, tor- their torches and pitchforks. They're heading for the castle. Uh, and then Dracula returns to the castle and goes to attack Jeannie. Uh, but she has a cross uh, around her neck, so he can't do it. But he wakes her up and hypnotizes her uh, to take it off. And there's a ba- big back and forth with with uh, Frankie, Drake, and uh, Dracula himself. And eventually... The uh, the castle just burns on fire. This, uh, yeah, it, it just it just lights on fire. Um, well, that's actually because the the um, the local villagers essentially. But Dracula flies off, and uh, he carries he carries his fiance Jeannie, who he actually got. Um, he doesn't know what happened to her. She's kind of unconscious, but he drags her outside uh, and lays her on the ground. She's bleeding. She's like, oh, my God, she's dead. She's dead. And then she wakes up and she goes, I'm not dead. You see, I'm not. When you're bitten by a vampire, you don't die. You never die. Never. And then she flies. She turns into a bat and flies away. So this this trip went from very profitable to uh, not so very heartbreaking very quickly. Uh, but it was a great read. Very great read. And you know what? This book came out a year earlier than the Frankenstein book that I read. And the visuals are so much better. Uh, the yeah, artwork, it sounded better. It did. It, it flowed better. Uh, and the art, like I said, the artwork is so much better. Honestly, this artwork is like, like mint condition compared to 
the the Frankenstein book that I read. I'm going to give the artwork a 10 to start off the, re- the review right away. Um, action. There was a lot of action, a lot of suspense. Uh, I never, I always thought once you drove the wooden stake through Dracula's heart, that was it. Uh, he never comes back. Uh, but yeah, there's yeah, a lot I, of lore that says it just like freezes him, like it it just makes him sleep. Like I I know like Vampire Diaries and a couple other things I read like or I've, I've like watched and read that like you stick it in them and it like makes them weaker, but it doesn't kill them. It's like the sun and fire and chopping off their head that does the trick. Right. It all depends. You know, it's like Buffy and Angel where you spike them and they're done. Yeah, that's that's what I originally thought. So this was kind of a cool thing though. Um, to see, but yeah, plenty of suspense going on, as a lot of horror books tend to have. Uh, so that was neat, but yeah, action 10. Um, there are 10 action, uh, excuse me, action is going to be an eight, pardon me. Uh, story, really cool story. I like the idea of why he was drawn to Dracula's castle. Uh, I like the unfolding of events, how it all happens. This very classic horror sense. I can visualize a movie with this book too, which I think goes a long way. Uh, so the story I'm going to give, I'm going to give an eight. Dialogue. Excellent dialogue. Excellent dialogue. Frank Drake kind of comes out, like I said, he comes off as a douche to start off the show or the the comic book. He really does. And his character kind of, you know, grows. You, you see him the way he talks to everybody around him. You know, he's very ambitious as far as turning this place into a tourist attraction and making money. Uh, and then, you know, he has these people close to him and, and within – you know, an hour, then a, essentially for this book, a, a few pages, he loses everything and it changes him. I don't know if he becomes the mo- the main protagonist going throughout this story, uh, but I think it's interesting. Uh, and I, I hope he does. I, I'm, I'm going to do some more reading with this. Uh, so I'm going to give the dialogue an eight as well. And rereadability, this was a fun book. It was packed with a lot of good stuff. Uh, I'm going to give the rereadability a nine for this one. This is definitely my favorite book of the two. 43 out of 50 for uh, the Tomb of Dracula, number one. So Awesome. Wow. Yeah, our last ones were pretty solid. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. We had some good stuff. But um, but all right. I think that does it then for uh, Spooptober episode number three. Rock and rolling so far. Uh, next week, we will be discussing some various Marvel and DC horror books. Uh I got a couple cool ones lined up that I've been eyeing for some time. And I know Greg's been talking about his. So, so yeah, just keep on keeping on, I guess, is what we, we got to say. It's been a fun month so far. We're happy that you, the listeners, are, are really joining us and, and taking time out of your day to listen to us. We can't say enough how much we appreciate you. Uh, and we, we put a lot of work in these episodes, uh, especially this whole month, man. It, the way it's come together, Greg's did an excellent job of setting us up given us organization for this month and i can't compliment you enough buddy uh i'm learning much, and i like the way everything's flowing so excellent work glad to hear i'm I'm loving this i'm having a good time i love me some spoops um and I'm, i'm really excited to just keep digging away um i think we just set up before we launched this episode a mini episode we're gonna do um following a cup like a halloween themed book that i wanted to talk about for a while so look out for that and we're going to be recording and you know every week more and more uh more and more chills and spooks just for you and i'm really excited to hop into next week and 
you know, talk about some of our favorite characters, but with a little bit of a dark twist. I'm really excited for that. Absolutely. All right, everybody. That does it for this week's episode of the panel discussion. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week as we continue Spooktober Month.